Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? It's called Pirate Radio. The force is with you, young Skywalker. You are not a Jedi. Do it! Do it! Come on! Kill me! I'm here! Come on! Do it now! Kill me! Chief of GGR, if you are unfamiliar and this is your first time. First off, welcome. Thank you for picking up our podcast. Uh, but secondly, let me give you a little bit of uh, the info here. Uh, GGR, that stands for the Great Geek Refuge. Our website, our web address is www.greatgeekrefuge.com. And this is the Pirate Radio Network. Um, this is the original. This is the original Pirate Radio um, podcast that Steve and I started. I think it was me, Steve, and Vic, which was about, gosh, about eight months ago now that we started it. Yeah, I know. Doesn't it seem like like just a couple days ago or like a couple weeks ago? It does, does not seem like eight months ago, does it? No, it doesn't seem like that in any way at all. It seems like we've been doing this piddling little podcast for eight minutes, not eight months. I know. And it's just the, the best thing about this is this has been a blast from beginning to end. Like every single one of these has been so much fun to do. So I'm so glad that we were able to do this again, Steve. It's It's never... Uh, enough. We never seem to be able to get together enough to do these, but at least we're doing it again. That's what's exciting. Yeah, I wish we had time to do it daily, you know, hourly, something like that. Yeah. But unfortunately, the real world calls sometimes, <laughs> and we have to separate ourselves from the fantasy worlds yeah. we just love to talk about. We may, in fact, like run out of stuff to talk about if we did this hourly. It would be like, all right, we're going on hour 37. Um, so, what do you want to talk about now, Steve? How about that? thing over on the wall there that is a weird thing on the wall there <laughs> yeah so uh yeah I, I love the fact that we've been able to keep up with this over this time period and speaking of not running out of things though i mean there's so much coming up on the horizon that we have to look forward to as far as nerd Holy. culture movies comics that kind of stuff that we get into um so i think we're going to be supplied with ample amounts of topics to to discuss and argue and and nerd over coming up in the next couple years oh yeah and like what's even what's even crazier about this is like now as an adult because you know i have a big boy job and and i'm gonna toot my own horn here i just got promoted in my big boy job so you did yeah yeah i am so excited about that because now like the job i had before it was i mean i worked for the same company but like the job i had before i was like the low level go do the grunt work, you know, you're the backbone of a company kind of thing, which is nice and all, but like it gets tiresome really, really quick. And I also worked weird hours. Now I'm working like eight 
I'm like nine to five now. It's like a regular grown up big kid job. So like I feel like an adult now and like I get to come home and have dinner and like talk about my day at work. It's just it's weird because I've never done that before. So it's like I'm a regular commuter now and it's it's kind of strange, but it's kind of awesome now, too, because now after work, if I want to go see a movie, I can go see a movie. It's not a big deal. If I want to go do something on a Saturday or a Sunday, I'm now off on Saturdays and Sundays. So wow. it's like I live in the world that everybody else lives in. I don't feel like some like freak who's been like like shunned to like some corner of the country like like an x-men which interestingly enough we're going to be able to tie into what we're talking about here because we're talking about all these awesome things that are coming up here on the horizon that we're excited about so it's it's just really really cool because i know you feel the same way because you just recently got a pretty cool uh gig yourself yeah i went from the industry of, of insurance that we were working in moved over to banking so not like a huge leap it's not like i jumped to the nba or something like that but um yeah, I mean, that would have been same really thing. Cool, I mean, but... when you talk about nine to five, it, they call them bankers hours for reasons, and that's pretty much what I'm working. So, um, yeah, it sounds like you and I are actually doing okay for ourselves. So, yeah, little little of our own horn tooting. I don't think that's the right way to say it, but um, <laughs> yeah. So, congratulations on on your hard work, man. I know everyone in the GGR community is happy for you. Oh yeah, and that just means that I'm going to have more time to devote to GGR things and. So it's, you're welcome, fans. Yeah, you're welcome for the promotion. How about that? How you like that? <laughs> turned it into, um, turned it into something that we're doing, giving back to you. Um, but also too, like we, um, I've been really pushing hard to grow the website to advertise. It's the first time I've ever advertised ever, um, and we're actually growing fans. So we've gained like thirty five, forty people, something like that, in the last week. So for any of you guys that are out there that are listening, um, welcome to the the GGR family. We appreciate you guys listening and reading and all that stuff. And if you ever want to come on the podcast, or you ever want to uh, write an article, uh, let us know. We are we are here for you. Yeah, we want to thank you for, for jumping aboard. And one of the, the biggest compliments you could possibly give us, though, is tell people in your life to come check out the site, download the podcast, you know, rate us on iTunes, leave uh, messages on, on the message boards on our website, you know, leave comments. Anything you can do to help expose GGR to your friends and family, people who would like the content, that's the biggest compliment you could possibly give us. So if you're enjoying what you hear, you know, pay it forward and maybe someone else will too. Indeed, indeed. Now, I wanted to bring this up because I, we wrote an article, and I'm going you know, to shamelessly promote that real quick. Uh, in our uh, little section that we call our splash page, I wrote an article a few months ago about Ant-Man and how excited I was about Ant-Man, how awesome this movie was despite everybody seemingly trashing it. And almost word for word I said, anybody who's silly enough to trash this did not see Guardians of the Galaxy because that movie, everybody said the same thing. I've never heard of this. What's a, you know, what's a Star-Lord? This is going to be stupid. I don't want to see it. And it made billions of dollars. And Ant-Man's doing the same thing. And to... I'm not saying don't question Marvel, okay? What I'm saying is don't question Paul Rudd because the, <laughs> the guy's a com comedic genius. Uh, Adam McKay helped co-write that. It was originally um, – why can I not remember? Thank you, Edgar Wright. It was Edgar Wright's pet project. So you could see his influence on it. Now, I personally haven't gotten a chance to see it. I know you did, and you have nothing but good things to say about it so far. Yeah, me and my fiance went and saw it together. And, and just like you said, she had no knowledge of Ant-Man whatsoever – but she had great knowledge of Paul Rudd. I mean, anyone who sees a Paul Rudd movie pretty much loves what the guy brings to the table. I found it to be funnier than Guardians of the Galaxy, and I didn't think that was possible. It was a fantastic movie. It was so good. 
as far as the balance of action, comedy. Um, and the one thing that a lot of people knocked Guardians for was that there were five main characters that all needed a little bit of equal time, yeah. needed the, their background told, given screen time, things like that. In Ant-Man, there was like two and a half. You know, there's, there's Paul Rudd's character, Michael Douglas's ca- character, and then uh, Evangeline Lilly, who plays uh, Hope Van Dyne. Um, so that same kind of balance between action and comedy was there, but you got more time with these characters. Um, it obviously all tied back to the greater Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything. Um, but I would highly recommend checking out it. And you could not have hit the nail on the head any better by saying, you know, don't knock it just because the name's a little silly. Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy is kind of a goofy name too, and that one was a was a killer in the box office and with fans. And there's no reason you should think Ant Man's going to do any different. Yeah, I, I'm now that I have my my big boy schedule, I might actually take my son to go see that because this summer we've actually we've we've hit a lot of movies this summer, which is cool because as he gets older, he's actually old enough to see them. Nothing of the comic book sort, but I did get to see um, Minions, which is like the prequel to. Uh, Despicable Me 1 and 2, which was, it was cute and funny and it was entertaining um, because those minion things are everywhere now. Like everybody's they got sure like, are. yeah, they've got like minions t-shirts and minions, like um, all, just anything you can think of. Like I, I had to censor myself there for a second because the only things I could think of horribly insulting things. Um, <laughs> we try to make, we try to make the, the flagship um, pirate radio, you know, the family friendly one that anybody can listen to, but uh, you guys can use your imaginations on that. I mean, they're Tic Tac shaped little dudes. So just imagine all the things that they could be used for. Um, but we went and saw that. We saw the new Disney movie um, inside out about like the emotions uh, inside that little girl's head. Um, we saw the one called home, which was about the aliens that take over uh, earth and they were all cute, but like, I'm, I'm, I need my fix, man. I got to go get some, some action movie in here at some point, and I think uh, Ant Man's going to be where I jump into this. Yeah, it's um, just uh, just what the doctor uh, prescribed. Then, if that's what you're looking for, but it's not so, it's not dirty. It's not too violent. Like your son at his age could definitely still enjoy it. You'll enjoy yeah. it on other levels that he won't necessarily get due to his age. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that's unique about this one is the main character, Paul Rudd's. You know, Ant-Man, his Scott Lang character, is motivated by trying to be the hero that his young daughter sees in him. So, I mean, this is a, a true father-child story, too. Uh, so there's that level of connection that hasn't really been shown on any of the Marvel movies up to this point. It's either been a love story or you know, an older kind of, I guess, Thor and Odin kind of thing, but they're adults. This is a dad and his young child and yeah. he's trying to live up to that, that dream and that what the kid sees at, at her dad as well. And it ties in really, really well too, because Ant-Man as most of us should know, if you don't know, I mean, this is kind of a, might be an eye, eye opener for you, but Ant-Man is an Avenger. He was actually one of the founding Avengers in the comic books. Um, Dr. Hank Pym. Um, but we got a little bit of a teaser with this movie too, where we see, uh, Falcon shows up in uh, Ant-Man. So, I mean, that's not really a spoiler alert, guys, because it doesn't reveal anything about the story. It's it's on all of the advertisements and everything. Yeah. I mean, if you if you have any interest in seeing Ant-Man, you've already seen the commercials. But that scene where Falcon is in it is awesome. Yeah. So we're already seeing 
that there's going to be a very easy way to tie this in to the next Avengers movie. But more importantly, the big one, and I know that you are just like giddy about this one because I know you're such a big Captain America fan. Um, but Cap 3, um, The Civil War. I mean, that one's coming out soon too. I mean, like, how, when, when do we get, what's our release date on that one? That is coming out at the beginning of May. Yeah. My wedding is the May 21st of the same month and year. Um, so I'm very glad that it's coming out at the beginning of the month so I can go see it like 17 times and then go get married. <laughs> because if it was like the same weekend, um, not to say that I wouldn't get married. I love my fiance. Obviously, I put her above everything. But it would hurt to not go see Civil War the opening weekend. Um, so I'm very glad that they're not at the same exact time. Well, I can um, I can tell you this. Since you did include me in your wedding party, um, I would make sure that we found a way to see that movie. And then you would get married. It would be like, listen, <laughs> I found a theater that's playing it starting at this time. The wedding starts here. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to the theater in our tuxes. Okay. And then we're going to go to the, it'll be great. It'll, it'll just, we'll be all psyched out of our minds right after civil war. And then we'll go, go get married. It'll be great, man. Like, and it'll just be like something out of one of those comedy movies you see where like, they have to rush to get to the wedding on time. <laughs> like at the end of the hangover. Exactly. I'm, I'm like, uh, like running down the aisle of like popcorn, like dust all over like my lapel <laughs> and stuff like that. I got like Twizzlers in my hair and we can make it. We can make it. We got, we got three minutes. Go, 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 go. <laughs> it would be totally worth it. It would be totally worth it. But we, we just went through Ant-Man, and I think we did a pretty darn good job of not spoiling anything. Yeah. I'm about to possibly spoil some things about Captain America Civil War um, that I've been reading today. There is Now, this is rumor. This isn't 100% factual or anything necessarily, yeah. mm-hmm. but there's a potentially leaked list of what the two sides are going to be. Obviously, for those not in the know about Civil War, go listen to my podcast, Educated Guesses, about the, the very first one is about Captain America Civil War. Um, but superheroes split sides and they end up fighting against each other, kind of like America did in the Civil War, or really any Civil War. Um, so the, Mike has not heard this list. I'm going to read it, and I want to get a real reaction. Mike, you're going to play the audience in this one. Okay. Okay. So this is the Captain America side. Okay. Um, and it's going to be comprised of Captain America, uh-huh. Hawkeye, okay. Falcon, Scarlet Witch, Ant-Man, and the Winter Soldier. That all your thoughts makes... on that, that half of the, uh, that would be the anti-registration side. That makes sense. Um, the only one that I, I would say I would need to know a little bit more about what's going on is Hawkeye. Because Hawkeye seems to be so very mission-oriented and so, like... Like, here's a good for instance. If, if Hawkeye had been in Cap 2 and he was one of the ones that turned against Captain America, I wouldn't have been surprised. Now, that being said, I know that – and that's more just from the story that we've been given so far with him in the Avengers, uh, the way that we saw him. He was just like – their. it was almost like he was S.H.I.E.L.D.'s hired gun. Now, granted, that makes sense too because S.H.I.E.L.D.'s kind of been dissolved at this point after the – events of um the winter soldier so i mean it kind of makes sense um and clint barton seems to be pretty loyal for the most part because i mean you see the relationship that him and um um black widow have together but that raises the question where the hell does the black widow fit with this uh you're gonna find that out in a second um the the thing that 
is kind of making me think, okay, it kind of makes sense with Hawkeye is, is maybe some of the stuff that happened at the end of Avengers Age of Ultron with um, a certain character saving Hawkeye's life and not making it through the end of the movie um, and, you know, his relationship with, I don't, I don't know, I mean, I guess him and him and Black Widow have some kind of disjointed uh, thing at the beginning of, of the movie. So um, the other side, you know, you just mentioned Black Widow, that she's the start of the other list. Uh, then you obviously have Iron Man, which is the, the big antithesis to Cap. Um, going with Iron Man, obviously, is War Machine slash Iron Patriot. You know, who knows which armor Don Cheadle's going to be in. Uh, Vision, one of the newbies from, from Age of Ultron, he's going to be yeah, and that, makes that sense. team. That makes sense, too, yeah. And then the newcomer Spider-Man is going to be on the Iron Man team as well. Huh, which, I mean, again, that fits with what we know. From I mean, if you follow the comic books, Spider-Man kind of really looked up to Tony Stark. And, in fact, Stark made him his own spider armor, which... The Iron Spider, I'm sorry, was, like, the coolest suit ever. Like, it had these extra arms that had cameras on them, and it was just... It was badass. I love yeah, that. Yeah, like, camouflage. He was, like, resistant to poisons and stuff. Like, yeah. it was, hey, let's put Spider-Man and Iron Man together and then make it Spider-Man. So, um, that yeah, I was pretty happy reading that list because I feel like that that gives a good balance there's obviously room like Hawkeye could be a double agent Black Widow could be a double agent since she had that kind of friendly relationship with Cap it's true Uh, in the comics Spider-Man starts on Iron Man's team and switches over I mean God knows what they're going to do as far as as the actual storyline with those lineups together and then the villain in that one, I mean, Baron Zemo, they're introducing a very heavy hitter as far as Cap's villains go. So I don't know if he's going to be the impetus to you know, rejoin the two sides, like, hey, we've got to put our differences aside and fight this bad guy, or who knows what they're going to do. But I was very excited to read that list, and it's not necessarily unexpected, yeah. but it's kind of nice to see the way it's, it's shaping up. And then the last thing, kind of connecting that with Ant-Man, um, they did have a lot of shrinking in that movie, but towards the end there was some um, enlarging of items with the, the pin particles. Yeah. Um, I get the feeling we're going to see Paul, a giant Paul Rudd. <laughs> like a, like a you know, 10-story Paul Rudd Ant-Man yeah. in this movie. That would be, I, just I would a, be just okay a, with that. An educated guess, if you will, but that's just something I'm, I'm kind of feeling. Listen to you tying in your name to your podcast yeah, twice little, there. Uh, little Easter eggs. I mean, Marvel does it. <laughs> why can't we? Exactly. Um, you know, because we love our good tie-ins, uh, since we're talking about, essentially, Cap versus Iron Man, let's talk about another versus uh, movie that's going to be coming up that I personally just can't wait for, and that's going to be Batman versus Superman, uh, Dawn of Justice. I am... I'm such a sucker. I really am. Because... Every trailer I see gets me more excited. And it does and they they are just it's like they're talking directly to me. Hey Mike, look at this. Doesn't this make you want to watch the movie? Yeah, yeah, it does. Hey, wait, Wayne Enterprises building just got destroyed by Zod? Don't you want to know more about that? Yeah, who's that little girl that Bruce Wayne's hugging? I don't know, but I want to find out. Like, I'm so excited about this movie. I couldn't Yeah, I, I'm just like I, I'm a I'm a little kid all over again. Like, I don't need explanations. I don't need backstory i don't need like the whining of like fanboys who were like well uh, you know this raises a lot of questions no it doesn't i want to see batman fight superman 
That's like all I'm thinking right now, and it's in. I'm 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 in. Like, I, if there was a way for me to pre-order a ticket for this movie, I would already do it like right now. The same way that Marvel's like, no one wants to see a kid get bit by a spider. We all get it. Yeah. I also am glad they're like, we don't need to see Bruce Wayne's parents shot in an alley again. We yeah. all know the story. Yeah. Get to the good part already. If you don't know, go watch the 17 movies that came out about these characters beforehand. Exactly. Then come watch our movie. Yeah. Everyone's over it, so I'm very glad that they're just like, by the way, Batman's here, and they're gonna, he's an adult, and he's already been Batman for like 20 years or whatever. Now he's gonna fight Superman, and everyone's just fine with it. And everything about it, though, like every little scene, like where you see Bruce Wayne, like looking at the bat suit, like, and you can just see that he's like racked with like emotion, and like somebody is spray painted on the bat suit. I'm like, who did that? Was it the Joker? Was it somebody else? Like, again, I'm, I am all in on this movie. I am so excited about this movie. And then you see, you see Wonder Woman for like a split second. She does this cool thing with her uh, bracelets where she's like, clack, and she clacks them together, and there's a big explosion. It's just like, uh, I, like my brain's about to explode now. I'm so excited about this. <laughs> just turn it off for a second. You just like, yeah. just like Will Ferrell in, in old school where he does that speech and then he just comes out of it. Like, what just happened? Like, where am I? <laughs> exactly. Something amazing just happened. I can't remember it. Yeah. Um, it's like that. It's, I it's think yeah. The part of the trailer that made me go. Like, if, if there was any traces of doubt left that Affleck was... There's going to be any issue with him being Batman. I don't know, that scene where you can see, you know, that, that obviously Superman's having some kind of battle in the background. He knocks that building over. And, like, he's the only one running towards the damage. Yes. You know, he's yeah, in his, like, he's yeah. in his like, like, fancy, you know, vest and, like, suit and everything. And he's, like, sprinting towards the damage and the collapsing building. And everyone's, like, running away. And you're like... That's Batman. That's what Batman would do. Batman would, would be the only one running towards the battle yep. and, and saving a little kid. Uh, he nailed it. Like, he yep. didn't even have to do anything with his, like, acting or anything. It was just he was embodying what Batman would do right there. Obviously, there's still a lot to be seen, but right there, I was like, I'm in. I'm in. I'm going to see this movie a couple times. Yeah, and, like, the, the montage, they give you, like, a split second of the montage where it's like, Batman has to take on Superman. He's got to get himself back into shape. And he's, like, dragging that big truck tire with the chain wrapped around it to, like, get himself back into shape. And you're like, that is something that, the, that Batman would do. And, like, Alfred. Like, the fact that they changed, they took another Alfred. Michael Michael Caine, amazing, by the way. But, like, the fact that you took Jeremy Irons and you made Jeremy Irons the new Alfred. And he has that voice. They're like, everything he says. He, Jeremy Irons could be, like, reading the instructions for, like, how to install your printer cartridge. And it would be interesting because he's got that awesome voice. And he says to Bruce Wayne, point blank, this is not our enemy. And I'm just like, whoa, this is great that you're going to have Batman, like, convinced of something. And Alfred, again, the voice of reason is like, whoa, you need to slow the hell down. Like, this is going to be a phenomenal movie. Like, I'm not going to, like, say right now, best movie ever, but I don't care. I think that this movie is going to be awesome. You can't dissuade me. There's nobody out there, no YouTube video, no blog, nothing that can convince me that this movie is not going to be awesome. I mean, the caliber of actors, obviously, is a a big deal. I mean, the the people they're getting are are fitting the roles really, really well. Absolutely. The thing that I was a little concerned with from the get-go, I I never really cared about the whole Batfleck thing. I mean, it didn't really bother me uh, because I know what kind of um, director and everything he's been. I I think he really... Grew from, oh, I'm in the headlines and I'm a young actor and me and J-Lo, blah, blah, blah. And he, like, he just yeah. went away for a little while and then came back. He's like, I can actually do some quality stuff. 
the thing that always worried me is they were like, well, we need to do Marvel. We need to do what Marvel's doing. We need to have like 50 million heroes in this thing. We need to jam as much in as possible. But after seeing the trailer, it's not that. Like, I was worried it was going to be Justice League with zero setup and everyone who hasn't read the comics was going to be lost as hell. Yeah. That's not it. This is going to be what the title says. It's going to be Batman versus Superman. It's going to be those two with little hints and Easter eggs and little bits of, of seeds planted for their future. It's not Justice League 0.5. Yeah, and you're going to see, I think that you're really going to see that, what's going to end up happening. And you've seen it with Jesse Eisenberg's uh, Lex Luthor. I think that it's going to be, and this is just my take on from what I've seen, and not reading really any of the, the comic books about this, that it's going to be either Superman or Batman, I haven't figured out which one of them it is, is essentially going to be a puppet to Luthor. And Luthor's going to be pulling their strings to get them ex- to do exactly what he wants them to do. And they're going to realize that and be like, oh, S, there's some bigger thing that Luthor's trying to do right now. And we've been too busy fighting with each other to realize that we just let him do this, basically. And that's when you're going to see why they call it Dawn Justice. That's when you're going to see all of the Justice League come together. You're going to see Wonder Woman. You're going to see Aquaman. You're going to see... God, I would love it. I would love if Green Lantern showed up. I doubt it, but like, I would be very excited if he showed up. I I think you're spot on, and I think it's going to be Superman who's going to be kind of the puppet because Batman's the, the world's greatest detective, and he's going to be the one who kind of sees, like, you, you, how can you not see what he's doing? He's doing X, Y, and Z to, yeah. to get power, to get you to do whatever. Why aren't you listening to me? And Superman's like, no, you know, you're, he told me you're a bad guy. You know, you you don't yep. you don't follow the law. We gotta fight now. And then they're gonna fight. And then Superman's gonna wake up to it and be like, oh, I was it's, just like a really yeah. powerful guy and wasn't paying attention to anything. And yeah. Batman's like, yeah, I know you're Superman. I think that your your Clark slash Superman character is gonna have a, a certain amount of guilt that he's gonna feel because of how many people died at, at essentially his hands. And you see that really, really early on when he has to go to, I don't know if it's President Holly Hunter, I'm not sure who it, what role she fills, but I think that's what it is. And he, they're basically like, he needs to be accountable for his actions. So he's almost like succumbing to what the government's telling him to do. And maybe Luther being, you know, rich millionaire, you know, powerful business uh, magnate that he is, has got some strings to the government. And he's like, hey, listen, Senator so-and-so, I need you to convince Superman to do this cool stuff for me. And that only makes sense with the kind of feel that DC has been doing with their sto- uh, movies so far, where, I mean, especially like if you look at the Batman stuff, there's so much going on. There's so many things that you've seen with Batman where it's like corruption and things like that. It wouldn't fall out of the realm of possibility to me to see something like that happen. And that would be a little bit of the real world seeping into what the story would be, but not in a detrimental way, because there were so many people like, do you know how many people died in that battle? There was like a million people that died. And you're like, yeah, I know, but it's like a, it was an awesome fight. Like, didn't you miss that part? And then they just clean it up in the second one. Like, okay, so yeah, everyone in the, in the fiction universe is like, hey, like a gajillion people got blowed up by that thing because of you. What are you going to do about that? Like, we kind of need to set some ground rules here and yeah, yeah that for, for a power hungry you know person who's always planning and manipulating like Luther that's a perfect spot for someone like him to swoop in and be like 
I got all your answers for you. Yeah. You should do these things. And if it just so happens to make me even you know, more powerful and wealthier, well, happy coincidence, right? Absolutely. Um, so I can very much see that kind of being the, the overarching, a, a simplified version of the, the, the storyline. And I do really like that um, we're seeing the, the Superman as the savior aspect of it too like I and mean, we all know that that story has been drummed to death but at the same time too like the fact that you're actually seeing humanity respond to this and it's not just imagery in the movie where you see him do these beautiful thing where it is his arms stretched out and you're like oh jesus on the cross i get it okay cool um but now you're actually seeing people like at one point it, they have um there's like a flood or something like that and somebody's holding up the superman symbol like on a poster board and he comes and he saves them like that's incredibly powerful like that you're going to see both sides of this is just like, again, roped in. Like, I'm, I'm a complete sucker for this. I think this is going to be just incredible. Like, you cannot... Yeah, wow. Well, bravo, DC. Bravo. You got me. I'm, I'm, I'm there were so many people, and, and, and to a lot of it rightfully so, that, that had yeah. problems with Man of Steel. Yeah. And, I mean, and some of it, like, I absolutely agree with, like... Why was little boy Clark Kent running around with a cape on if there wasn't a Superman yet? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Um, so, I mean, there's definitely things, there's, you know, problems that people had with it, and that's fine. And it's almost like Zack Snyder and the, and the WB DC crew, like, took notes. Like, just went on all the message boards and go, all right, what problems did people have with Man of Steel? What didn't they like about it? Okay, well, let's clean this up with some of this storyline here. Oh, they didn't like how many people died. All right, let's make that a plot point. It just seems like they almost listened to the fans and took those notes and said, okay, so let's incorporate some of this and take something that was 70% awesome with 30% issues and and try and ratchet it closer up to 100% with the second one. Well, yeah, um, and you and you got to appreciate that, that he's listening, that it's not just the – director wearing a scarf and wearing like a beret and he's like oh you just don't understand my vision and oh, i was just above your head zach snyder's like nah dude we, we got this we'll fix this just give give us a little bit of time we got this we got a really cool plan just just check it out and that's such a comic book thing to do too like there's so many storylines that are like big storylines in comics they're supposed to be these these huge events or whatever in dc marvel they're both guilty of it and the fans are just kind of like, that was really dumb. And I'm looking at you, the other for Spider-Man. I mean, there's plenty of stories <laughs> like that. Um, but a lot of times, you know, the next group of stories that come out, like sometimes they'll do little, you know, one pieces or, you know, one-offs or whatever. Yeah. The next big one, it either completely ignores the bad stuff people didn't like or take it and kind of retcon it and reset it and, and make it better. Um, you know, like the the other was a huge dumpster fire as far as Spider-Man fans go, but then about a year ago, they did this Spider-Verse thing, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, um, yeah. but then again, it was eight years, or eight months ago that we started this thing, it doesn't feel like it, so what do I know? Um, <laughs> but the um, the other was part of his clone, Ben, or uh, Kane, who's a clone of Peter and Ben Riley, it was a whole thing, but he had these other powers, and they were fighting these things, and it actually ended up being cool and useful, and you're like, okay, so even if it doesn't work out at the time, the people who make these things are so darn creative and really get involved in the universe they're in that they can sometimes turn it around and actually make it something cool. I see that happening with Donna Justice. I see the problems that people had 
very strongly noted in in internet and people you know reviewing it and they went okay we hear you we're going to keep all the cool stuff and we're going to use that bad stuff and actually kind of twist it and make it better well also too and and this is you see now that we're getting all these comic book movies that's something the comic book industry has been pretty good about in general is listening to their fans and doing i mean think about it like i mean it's a really not the best example, but like when the Joker kidnapped uh, Jason Todd, they were like, DC was like, what do you want us to do? Do you want him to live? Do you want him to die? And people get to vote for it. Like it's kind of messed up to a certain degree, but at the same time, it was kind of cool. And they, they really care what the fans think. And Hollywood so often doesn't. Well, you guys just don't get it. You don't understand. It was above your head. Or like – The director's always like, maybe it was a little too ambitious. I tried to do – too much exactly like, and we'll just do less than like i don't know what to tell you guy but the movie didn't work <laughs> yeah they always have a cop-out reason for why it didn't work or or how it was somehow our fault or something like that and like you like you said i can i love that this is the way that they're going and i mean i i, I can't wait and to that event you um you mentioned somebody else a big fan you're a big fan of that i am excited to see what they're going to do with his solo shot when he comes to the Marvel Universe, and that's going to be Spider-Man. I don't know when we're going to be seeing that movie. I, I know you know. 2017. Um, okay. Um, it's going to be two years, but I'm still stoked. I can't wait to see more Spidey. I love anything Spider-Man. I think that his character is just... It's it's fun. He, he is comic books. Like, there's like three people I think of when I think of comic books right off the top of my head, and it's Batman, Superman, and Spider-Man. Those are the big, those are the big three in my opinion. That's the and the more... Yeah, and the more we get of him, the better. And, and to get him back to where he belongs, to get him back to the people who who created him. Like you're you're not going to get these. Well, look, what if we did this? What if we did that? What if we changed that? No, it's going to be. This is what Peter Parker is. This is who he is. This is where he came from. And you're going to get to see some of these other superheroes that had a lot to do with where he came from. And you're not going to have to be limited to just what Sony has uh, the licenses to. The, the thing that I'm excited about as far as Spider-Man goes is I feel like it's wide open. Yeah. With all the other Spider-Man movies that have come before so far, I feel like they went, well, we already used Green Goblin. We can't use him. Well, in Spider-Man 2, they did uh, Doc Ock, so he's off the table. And... I have heard a lot of rumors that they're going to try and do some newer villains that haven't been done. Maybe Vulture, maybe Craven the Hunter. And I'd be fine with those. But I don't feel like they're hamstrung by the Spider-Man movies that come before. Like, I feel like they can do anything. It could be Mary Jane. It could be Gwen Stacy. They could do Green Goblin again. They could do Doc Ock again. I feel like it's wide open. And any movie has the ability to be terrible. Not every movie has the ability to be good. And I think the perfect example is out right now. Fantastic Four that's out right now oh my never God. had a shot of being good. <laughs> the fans were not interested. And yep. as soon as the casting came out, every time you heard different things about the choices that were made for the movie, the fans just kind of threw their arms up in the air. The Fantastic Four franchise... Like you said, the big three, Batman, Superman, Spider-Man. You put one of those movies out, it doesn't matter who you are. You know who those people are. Yeah. Not everyone knows who the Fantastic Four are. And 
they didn't advertise it particularly well. I think no. Fox knew going in. Let's not even waste the money because this thing is a piece of crap. Like we're not interested in throwing good money after bad. Um, but Spider-Man is one of those movies that has a chance to be great. It, it does, really yeah. does. Uh, Spider-Man one, two, and Amazing. I think were well. The first Spider-Man one and Amazing were really good. Spider-Man 2 was great, and I yes. use the term great sparingly when it comes to movies. Those are movies you can watch any time of year with any group of people, and they're kind of all going to enjoy it together. You don't have to be a huge comic nerd to enjoy it. Well, That's and the a thing great for me, movie. Like, and, and I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but no, like, the thing for it. me is like to be able to watch a Spider-Man movie without the origin story. This is Spider, Spider-Man 2 we're talking about now, the one with Tobey Maguire. Um, to be able to jump right into that. Like, I could watch that with my kid right now. And he would be like, he might have a couple questions for me. Who's that guy? Well, that's Doc, that's Doc Ock. But everything gets explained in the movie, enough so that it makes sense, one, with the story, but two, anybody can jump into it. You don't have to play this Game of Thrones thing where in order to get it, you have to have watched every single episode before. Because if, by the way, I don't know who's out there watching Game of Thrones. I have, like, three of the seasons, like, sitting there. I just haven't started them yet. And I know that it's one of those shows that if I start watching it mid-season five or six or whatever they're on, something's going to happen. I'm going to be like, well, who the hell is that guy that just showed up? And they're going to be like, oh, that's the guy from season one. I'll be like, oh, crap. Like, you get lost because you haven't followed the story all the way through. That's not like that. And that's a sign to me of a good movie about something that I love, that I probably know backwards and forwards. And that's going to tie in with another one of the movies that I am just just stoked out of my mind for, and that's going to be X-Men Apocalypse. Yes. This movie looks so good. I don't... The the trailer, it's too new. It's too raw to really give a a judgment based on the trailer so far. The fact that it's going to be the same guys who were Magneto and Professor Xavier... From, um, from first class, the fact that you're going to get um, why can't I think of their names right now, Steve? Uh, James McAvoy is Charles Xavier and, and Michael Fassbender. Michael Fassbender. Is, yeah, yeah, he's Magneto. You're you're keeping them. That's awesome. You're getting young X Men. You're going to get a young Cyclops. Jean Grey, Storm's going to be in there. Psylocke's going to be in there. Beast is going to be there. Um, Iceman's going to be there. Angel, like you're seeing all of the guys that were there original, the original X-Men, mm. plus some new people too. It's it's just this is what I've been waiting for with an X-Men movie. Angel isn't in it. Archangel is in it. And that's the thing that I was oh, like freaking cool. out about with the metal wings and apocalypse. I'm like, yes, this was some of my favorite okay. X-Men stories ever. Yeah. Quick story, my brother um suffers from asthma. Um very very young age I and mean, he was just a couple of years old had a pretty bad asthma attack yeah. and uh, this was you know early 90s and everything when that whole thing was going on he was in the hospital for a little bit so I used some of my you know little allowance money I had as a little kid and got him an Archangel action figure and had oh, a little thing yeah. on it with the wings that flap and he could shoot missiles and from that point because that was kind of a you know a moment between us and his brothers we both just freaking love Archangel. Like he's one of the coolest characters, and I cannot wait to see him introduced on the on the big screen because Angel is so poorly uh, represented in the X Men trilogy, the first three. That 
this one is their chance at redemption. They're like, all right, so like this is like the nice angel. Here's the metal version, you know. Here's the Slayer version of Angel. <laughs> well, let's watch him kick some ass. I'm so pumped for that. He's on the cover of like an Iron Maiden album, like exactly. shooting his shooting his poison tip darts out of his wings. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, this one to me, it, it's this is the Chris Claremont '90s X-Men. This is the Jim Lee reboot. Like this is gonna be the X-Men that when I envisioned them making an X-Men movie when I was a kid, this is gonna be the one. But um, quick aside with this, I don't know if you saw it or not. I think I shared it with you on Facebook at one point. Did you see when Fassbender and McAvoy were on Conan O'Brien and they they mentioned, uh, Conan was like, so there's a lot of people on the internet who think that the two of you and your characters, uh, Xavier and Magneto are lovers. And they both kind of laughed, and they were like, yeah, in fact, we brought a clip we wanted to show you that somebody made on the internet. And it's a video of them from first class set to um, Fix You by Coldplay. And it's it's just like it's like a love story, and it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. Because they totally accept it. They're like, yeah, we kind of do love each other, and it's so freaking funny. Like, I'm just un- like, unapologetic about it, too. They're just like, yeah, we kind of do love each other. Yeah, whatever, <laughs> you know? Like, so... With that movie, Elephant in the Room, the way Apocalypse looks. A lot of people are seeing the screenshots and the stuff, and he kind of looks a little cartoonish, he, and, and not in the good way. Um, I will, I will I, hold off you, judgment. I, I, you know, reading some, some interviews with Oscar Isaac and everything like yep. that, he has said Apocalypse is going to be half practical prosthetics and half CG. And we all know you can't see CG in a picture like that. And 90% of the time, they're going to release trailers before all the CG is done and things like that. So I'm yeah. not even going to think about it. I'm not going to worry about it until I actually see it. Now, me and Mike were talking earlier, and I joked he kind of looked like Blueberry from that, the you know the cereal and stuff. He looks <laughs> he, he looks kind of goofy. I mean, let's just all talk about it. He looks a little goofy. He has oh, that blue God. rubber face like Max Rebo from Jabba's Palace and stuff like that. He looks a little weird. But if that's the <laughs> base and then they throw some CG on it where he can, you know, because Apocalypse, he can, you know, change his, his limbs and, and you know, kind of morph into different things. And, you know, there's a lot they could do with him starting there and adding CG. Yeah. I'm not going to worry about it until it uh, till it's all done. What do you think? I, I couldn't agree more with you on this one, um, but still, like the booberry thing just ha- has me dying every time. Like I just picture like that uh, that crappy apocalypse like vision that we've seen so far, like on the cover of like a uh, cereal box. Like <laughs> try me with new apocalypse marshmallows. Like it's. Uh, <laughs> I, I made the I made the comparison that I thought you looked like the '80s cartoon Grey Babe um, from what <laughs> like we've seen so far. <laughs> exactly, yeah. He just looks goofy. Um, I don't care. I think that I, I have faith in um, in Brian Singer. I have faith in this team because they've shown us that one first class was awesome. Not only that, Days of Future Past, which I mentioned in an article I wrote one time. Which, if you ever look, it's on the Frank Landau page. It's um, under um, my reviews that I did for First Class and uh, Days of Future Past. Um, hint, hint. Read read that. Um, the I didn't like. Um, Days of Future Past as much as I liked First uh, First Class. Not saying that I didn't like the movie. I just thought First Class was was incredible. I um, Days of Future Past was really, 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 really good. But Days of Future Past is also a really, really hard story to tackle. And it's there's so much going on. There's like you're you're flip flopping between timelines, and it was still an incredible movie. 
And the fact that you were able to take something so complex and make it that good, I'm, I'm all in. Like you guys have shown me that you've, you, you got this. You got this under control. And the same thing goes for X-Men Apocalypse. I'm a li- I was a little hesitant when I saw the way Apocalypse looked. He looked kind of goofy. But at one point, Magneto was like, what are you doing? And he was just like, let me show you. And he had this really goofy voice. And I was like, I hope they do something with that. Because like, I always really liked in the cartoon – uh, X-Men series, the voice that Apocalypse had that like almost like robotic, almost like he has this like very powerful voice that's like beyond anything that a human could create. And that's essentially what he's supposed to be. Um, so maybe we'll see, like you said, you know, the, the special effects are not done yet. And I'm thinking that we may see some more of that too. I feel like and, and it kind of uh, springboarding off your point about Days of Future Past, like the story not being easy. X-Men First Class wide open. They could pick the characters they wanted. They could kind of craft the story they wanted to. Then you go to Days of Future Past. There's a very set story about what Days of Future Past is. Yeah. And any deviations, that's the part where fans go, uh, Shadowcat was the one who went back. It wasn't Wolverine. And then you're like, okay, yeah, I get it, but we're making a movie here. Um, but And that was a problem. Going over to Apocalypse, again, he's been throughout comics you know for for decades now so again i think they can kind of pick and choose what stories they want to include and how they want to write it kind of opening that storyline with a little less scrutiny so i mean with the scrutiny you're hearing is he looks kind of weird is a lot better than wow i love days future past and that story did not match that at all and here's 18 reasons why um it gives you a little more flexibility which i think is going to make a better movie yeah absolutely um I'm going to quickly mention another one on the list here because I didn't have much experience with this comic book series at all. Um, I've seen the trailers and I thought they were eh, okay, I guess. Some people are just like losing their minds about this movie and that's Suicide Squad. I'm in the exact same boat as you. I mean, obviously, if you read anything I've written or the podcast, I'm a a Marvel fanboy first and foremost and DC is definitely the the backseat to that. And Suicide Squad, I'm like, eh, I'll go see it once. You know, maybe it'll be good. I don't, I don't yeah. know enough about it to care. I got to give it credit for this, though. It's a really interesting concept. The and it explains something that a lot of people never really thought of. Why? How is it that all of these bad guys in the Superman and Batman um, pantheon go to jail and then just get out? Well, it turns out that they're government agents, and the government agents, uh, the government is basically saying, "Hey, we've got a special mission for you." If you succeed, hey, you get out of jail. If you don't, it doesn't matter. We're going to disavow you anyways. None of this ever happened. So it's it's a really interesting take on this. And a lot of people were like, well, the original Suicide Squad didn't have anything to do with Joker. Or the Joker only shows up like a little bit. And um, everybody was kind of disappointed when they saw that Jared Leto was going to be the Joker. I, on the other hand, was the exact opposite. I was like, eh, this looks okay. Oh, okay. All right, this looks like every other flipping trailer I've ever seen for any movie ever. Until Jared Leto showed up. And I was like, this is what I've been waiting for. And I'll give you a little background. Um, I, like, I follow Jared Leto on like Facebook and like Twitter and stuff like that. So I've been seeing the pictures little by little of him like shaving his head, dyeing his hair green, getting like the uh, makeup to make it look like the tattoos and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, so he looks like an interesting version of the Joker. Let's see how this all comes out. Because if he comes on screen and he sounds like a doofus, then none of this works. But like he came on screen and he sounded exactly like I imagined the Joker sounding. Like that same kind of Heath Ledger kind of insane twist to it. 
um, but in his own way, not imitating what Ledger did. And I was like, okay, I'm on board for this now. This this looks like this is going to be pretty interesting. I might have to check this out now. I think you pinpointed the the, the big thing, the Heath Ledger comparisons, because that's all you're going to see about this movie is okay, who's who is the better Joker, uh, Jared or Heath? You know, who who did the better deal? And I I don't think that's necessarily fair. Um, yeah. But Jared Leto has always been one for me. Like he does a good job transforming himself for movies. I mean, Absolutely, look at his character yeah. in Fight Club. You look at his character in um, Lord of War. You look at his character, I can't remember the name of the movie, where he played um, the, the guy that shot John Lennon. Um, yeah, yeah, Michael I mean, Hinckley. He, yeah. he, he gained like... Or John, John Hinckley, yeah. Yeah, he gained like 75 pounds or something for that movie. I mean, like he... Method almost becomes those characters. Now, that's a little scary because that's what Heath Ledger did and he ended up killing himself. So... Hopefully it doesn't go that far, but it's a good thing that they picked him because he's the kind of guy who will dive a little deeper into that role and kind of almost become that character a little bit, and that's what makes for the best characters in movies. Yeah, yeah, I I think so too. And um, let's go to another one, because this one has kind of a serious feel to it. Suicide Squad does. Um, One that is the complete polar opposite. And I am so excited for this movie because I think it is going to be one of the most innovative comic book movies we've seen pretty much ever. And that's going to be Deadpool. Oh, God. Yes. I am so in on this movie. It's ridiculous. Like, I am so excited about this. Everything that Ryan Reynolds has been doing for this is just fantastic. I mean, Andy's excited about this. Like, I don't know if you read Andy's review of the Deadpool trailer. trailer. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, such a creative way of doing it too, where he has basically Deadpool show up and get mad because he wasn't, because Andy wasn't supposed to be watching the trailer. <laughs> so he like tortures Andy while Deadpool writes the review for him. Like it was, it was really, really, it was really tongue in cheek, but it was very cool. But like this movie, Andy guy, he's he's going places. Yeah, <laughs> he is. Yeah, he just got a job too, which is fantastic. He's been struggling with that. So, can, quick aside, real quick here, congratulations to Andy Barch. Got a new job. He's working for um, a great company. We won't mention who they are. But um, he good for Andy. Yay! Woo, Andy! Way to get a job! Yay! Well done. Well done, sir. Well done. Um, Deadpool. Like I, I really don't think there needs to be much said about this. This just looks like it's going to be just fun from start to finish. And Deadpool. I mean, you either love him or you don't. Either love him like I do, or you don't love him, and I have nothing left to say to you for the rest of my life. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's just he just nailed it in everything. I mean, he's the jokes and everything are just hitting point on. You know. Don't make the outfit green and, and animated. Boom, take that, Green Lantern. Um, yeah. They even made a reference of, like, maybe they won't sew his mouth shut this time. Boom, yeah. take that, X-Men Origins Wolverine. I mean, they're just killing it. Like, everything the fans want to hear. Yeah. I, I mean, he's Deadpool. He's, he's freaking uh, as close as a human being could come to actually being Deadpool. But he's going to break the fourth wall in this movie, and it's going to be something that we really haven't seen before. Because it's going to be a movie of us watching them make a movie but he knows that it's a movie, but he's still Deadpool. But is he really Deadpool? Is he Ryan Reynolds? This is going to be like metaphysical beyond anything that we've ever really seen before. And I think it's going to be a, a, just a blast all the way through. Um, there is one... Boom, TJ Miller. Hi, I'm Weasel, and I'm TJ Miller, and I'm hilarious. Oh, here's Colossus, yeah. Steve's favorite X-Men of all time out of nowhere. Awesome. Like, everything yeah. I see in this movie is just getting me more and more amped and just yeah. wanting to invent a, a TARDIS or something so I can just jump to when these movies are coming out. I don't have to wait anymore. 
We'll find our find ourselves a Doc Brown. We'll get a DeLorean. We'll get it up to eighty eight miles an hour. We got this, Steve. Meet you at um, the movie theater, man. <laughs> we are gonna. There's one more movie, but we're gonna we're gonna pause on this one for a second because we're gonna save this for the last one. There's a reason for it. We're gonna talk about two TV series, real quick, and then we'll talk about the, the final movie. Um, Daredevil, the TV series. Like in in my Frank Landau fashion, I was about a month to two months behind everybody else that watched this as soon as it came out and was just like going on and on about how great it was. I finally got a chance, uh, finally got around to watching it, mostly because I nearly broke my ankle and I was out of commission for about three or four days. Um, so I was able to binge watch um, Daredevil because I'm a klutz and I almost broke my foot off. Um, but this got, where did this, where did this come from? Like when did Nair, when did Netflix become better than anything that's on TV? Like this was amazing. This was such a good series and Again, late to the party, don't care. This was so flippin' good. Like, from start to finish. Every single character that was in this show was done justice. People died that you didn't really want to die, and you were sad about it. And that's how you know that this was good. There were people where you were just like, well, you know, I've seen him in the comic books before, so he should be around for, oh, wait, no. No, oh, I guess not. Oh, oh. He's getting a life choked out of him. I guess, I guess he's done Oh, my done that. God. Well, so much for that. Um, he's just passed out. Beginning of next episode, everyone's at a funeral. funeral. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no, I guess this is for real. Um, but, and then, like, Wilson Fisk. Like, kudos to... Um, and I just totally blanked on his name right now. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. There, caught it. Um, kudos to him. He did a phenomenal job as Wilson Fisk because did not play him like I thought they were going to play him like this like big bruising dude who just can't be uh, affected at all and he's just unstoppable and he's bulletproof and he's just this like behemoth of a man no he was vulnerable and he was angry and he, and you saw why and you almost didn't blame him and it was just incredibly well acted and it was just such a great ride from start to finish like I just like uh, kudos to Daredevil the TV series but more so we're talking about what we're excited about Holy crap, I can't wait for season two. Yeah, I mean, my, my uh, greeting for you for a little while again, hey, Mike, how you doing? You watched Daredevil yet? And like, then you uh, finally uh, yeah. got it so we could like talk about it. And when the news that Punisher was going to be in it and it was going to be Shane from The Walking Dead. Yeah. And they had a little Daredevil thing with the bullet holes in it. And you're like, maybe they're going to be like fighting for a little while. Then they'll be buddies later. It's going to be awesome. Like, then we could like you know, freak out about it, like teenage girls, like screaming into the phone at each other. Like we're finally, you know, on the same page. Oh man, I, I'm so excited. And then even as an afterthought, like I didn't even think that was going to happen. They dropped a little Easter egg in the first season about Electra. She's yeah. going to be in the second season. So they're really, uh, yeah. Everyone who was in the first one that lived through it is going to be in season two. And you're adding Punisher and Electra. You didn't think it would be better. There you go. I made a quick blurb about it at one point. I was like, I was like, if you were going to find a movie that was like Daredevil and they were comparative, it's like Daredevil is uh, The Departed because everybody you like in, the, in Daredevil dies. Like, it was just like a bloodbath. It was, it was like, wait a minute, he's supposed to be a good guy. He doesn't kill people. Oh, wait, never mind. Okay. And then, like, just everybody was dying left and right. I was like, this is vicious. Like, I know, and then like in the very end of the last episode, spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen it, Mark Wahlberg comes in and shoots Charlie Cox Daredevil in the head. It's like the <laughs> weirdest ending ever, right? 
<laughs> Who knew? Who knew? And he was like, he had those plastic bags on his feet so nobody would be able to find any evidence. It was yeah. great. It was fantastic. There was this like, animated teddy bear beside him. It was like the weirdest ending ever. It didn't seem to fit at all, but I don't and know. And the teddy bear sounded it. strangely like Peter Griffin from Family Guy. <laughs> yeah. So everyone needs to check out that secret ending. Actually, the funniest thing I ever saw, and this is real, I saw someone, yeah. some genius on YouTube was like, uh, Daredevil special DVD features. And it was like supposed to be like a, a release thing. And then it, it, it was, it was Daredevil point of view hallway fight from the end of episode oh, two. Oh, I saw, I saw it, that, yeah. You know, it's hilarious. And you're like, oh, cool. So you're going to see like a different view of everything. And then it's just a black screen with a bunch of punching sounds, and you go, Daredevil's blind. He doesn't <laughs> see anything. I'm an well idiot, played. and this is hilarious. <laughs> well played. I talked about this, and Andy didn't appreciate it. Maybe you will. Um, did you ever Did you ever play the video game L.A. Noir? No, I did not. Okay. But you, like, you know the premise, right? Like 1940s cop mm-hmm. drama, right? Okay. So I talked about how a friend of mine um, – like completely trolled me and like put on Facebook. He was like, look, I got the secret ending to L.A. Noir." And what it was is instead of the actual ending, it was that clip of that movie from uh, Home Alone, Angels with Dirty Souls, where the guy's just like, keep the change, you filthy animal, and shoots him <laughs> with the machine gun. Like, and I, yeah, completely trolled, but I was like, okay, well, well played. Like, you win this round, fella. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, the other one that like, tell me you saw the trailer for this, because we talked about this uh, like a week or two ago. But Ash vs. Evil Dead, the TV series. Oh, yeah. Holy crap. Like, why is this not – Why was first off, why was this not done like 15 years ago? But two, who cares? When will this be on my television so that I can watch it like immediately? This looks so good. And it had that same kind of like dark humor. But it's going to be violent and gory because it's on everybody's favorite gory television channel, AMC. They already do The Walking Dead, so we know that they're not going to have any problems showing some pretty graphic stuff. I've missed Bruce Campbell. Yes. Like, where has he been in my life for the last couple decades or whatever? I mean, like, however long it's been. Like, where has he been? I he, bit parts of Sam Raimi movies. I get it, but like, I need more yeah. Bruce Campbell, and they're giving it to me in the best way possible. Yeah. College. I mean, I watched uh, Army of Darkness or Medieval Dead, whatever you want to call it. You know, but oh my god, that movie! I love that movie so yeah. much. I, I come from yeah. the pedigree of people, you know, family members loving Airplane and Caddyshack, and yeah. it just fits right in with that. And I cannot wait to see what they do with this show. This this is what I've been waiting for. Like I I remember being maybe thirteen or fourteen years old, and my little brother and I, because my my little brother has like the oddest taste in movies ever, but we always agree on comedies because we both have that same goofy, offbeat kind of dark sense of humor. I remember watching Army of Darkness, so this would have made him like six, maybe seven, and we both were just like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> and loving every minute of it because it was cheesy, it was campy, it was a little bit scary, it was weird, but it was awesome, and I was like. Why was there never a sequel? Why is there not more of this? And they're finally answering all those prayers that I made to Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell. This is finally happening. And it's it just looks terrific. And the fact that you're getting Lucy Lawless. You're getting a little Xena action in here, too. So Who couldn't use that? Yeah, everybody, everybody needs a little Xena in their life. Now, we saved the best for last. Because Steve and I, I mean, and it's apropos because it fits with where GGR started, where the podcast started, Star Wars. Ooh, Star Wars, episode 7. Is there a Star Wars movie coming out, man? 
Yeah, you didn't hear about this yet? What? <laughs> there is. I am I am very excited about this movie. I am very excited about this movie. And I'm going to throw a word in here that might make you mad, Steve, because I know how much you love both Star Wars and uh, your buddy J.J. Abrams. And that word that I'm going to throw in is but. I am very excited about this movie, but I don't know if I trust J.J. Abrams. See, I'm excited about Han Solo's but as well. Um, <laughs> I mean, Harrison Ford, he seems like he stays in great... Oh, wait, you're not talking about that. You're talking about something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I am... I'm hesitant about this. And the reason why is because of my love for Star Trek. They gave Abrams the keys. They were like, here's the keys to the Enterprise. Just don't scratch it. And he was like, don't scratch it. He went like full-on Ferris Bueller with the Enterprise. And he was like, I'm taking this all over Chicago. I'm taking it to, to you know, the Klingon homeworld of... Um, I can't even think of it now. This is going to make me the worst Star Trek fan ever. Of Kronos. There it is. Klingon Take City. Kronos. Exactly. Klingon City. Yeah, exactly. Planet of Klingon, where the Klingons live. Uh, Kronos. Take it to Kronos. He, he whipped around the, the moons of Neptune, like, came back and then wrecked it. Like, it was... I don't trust you, J.J. Abrams. I don't trust you, man. And, like, maybe if I had gone all the way through with um, Lost, I might feel a little bit different, but I don't know. And if you saw, I don't know if you saw it or not, but they did this like kind of behind the scenes thing um, that they showed at San Diego Comic-Con where it was like, hey, look at all these people. Look at all these guys who love Star Wars, that are working on Star Wars, that are going to be in Star Wars, talking about the movie. And it was just, a, it was a little too pompous for me. It was a little like, J.J. Abrams has already anointed himself as the next great thing. And he's like, at one point he's there, he's like, how excited is everybody that we're here on set for Star Wars 7? And everybody clapping. And I was like, dude, man, come on. Give us a break here. Like it's, I'm hesitant, but at the same time, my uh, my cousin uh, Donnie is a huge Star Wars fan, just like me. And he said to me, he was like, one of the things you have to remember is when the prequels came out, which is kind of the reason why everybody kind of has a bad taste in their mouth with Star Wars. When the prequels came out, Lucas did those on his own. Lawrence Kasdan was one of the ones who worked with Lucas and wrote, co-wrote with Lucas, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Lawrence Kazan is working with Abrams on the new movie. He's like, so have faith. These are going to be better than the prequels. And I was like, all right, that makes me feel a little bit better. So I'm, I'm still all in for this movie, but there's just like this little tiny feeling in the pit of my stomach, like where I'm like, something's going to go wrong. Something's not going to work out here. Something's going to be really weird. There's going to be a smoke monster or something in this. It isn't there. Like, I just, I just feel it coming and I don't know what it is. So you're saying you have a bad feeling about this? Oh, well, so, so number well, one, it's... number one, when you said video online about Star Wars, you could have just yes. stopped right there. You didn't need to ask if I've seen it because the answer is undoubtedly yes. Um, of course, yes. Number two, I'm going to help you feel a little bit better about J.J. Abrams um, and actually using Star Trek as a positive. So the reason people liked Star Trek, like the series and everything like that, is it was a trek. It was a journey. It was more about the people on the ship interacting with their environments and going around and, and having different little adventures. But really it was more about the relationships of the people and how they got out of these jams that they were in. You know, they were, they were on a, a journey. Star Wars is not a science fiction movie. It's not science fiction like Star Trek. Yeah, Star Wars is, yeah. is a science fantasy. And it follows that 
structure, that you know, narrative structure with all those archetype characters that comes from mythology, comes from forever ago. J.J. Abrams took Star Trek and for his movies crammed it into that science fantasy structure. So to me that says, wow, this guy really loves science fantasy and he really wants to make those movies like Star Wars. And he just has Trek on the end of it and those characters and he doesn't have the rights to the property that he clearly loves and wants to do with. Now he does. And that gives me hope that you can actually make decent Star Trek movie, like the, especially the first one. Like yep. it's, it's not the best, but it's entertaining and it's good Enjoy to watch. The first one. And that's kind of like the second one. The second one lost me. Yeah. Right, but I mean, for the first one, he somewhat jammed a square peg into a round hole, and now with Star Wars, he has a round peg and a round hole. And I yeah. feel like it's matching the director and, and what his skill set is with the right property and that's really giving me a lot of encouragement um, I think that 7 is going to be absolutely phenomenal I do think to a degree it's actually a little bit of a reboot packaged as a sequel I think that the main original trilogy characters are only going to have a little bit to do, they're going to be in 7 and maybe a little bit of 8, and they're really, I mean, the entire thing is going to be passed on to the new characters that have never been in the series before, and giving, you know, new generations, I mean, you could never out and out reboot Star Wars, you could never be like, and, you know, young kid actors, Luke Skywalker, and so-and-so's Han Solo, because everyone would be like, boo, garbage, no, not going to watch it. But exactly. if you kind of marry the two together, the reboot as a sequel, that's how you get people very, very excited about it, and it's a passing of the torch, so to speak. So I feel like that's the only thing that's a, it's going to be a little hard pill yeah. for me to swallow, because I love Luke and Han and Leia and Chewie and all those people, and yeah, I'm not sure that they're all going to be there by Episode Nine. I, I think some of them are going to you know, kick the bucket, and that's a shame. But it's part of the story as a whole. So, um, what, yeah, what excites I'm extremely me about excited this? about it. I basically live yeah. on Reddit, you know, just reading like, <laughs> okay, a little tidbit. Oh, someone found a Lego set in in, in yeah. Venezuela. What? What's this guy's <laughs> name? Like, I just like I, I, you know, trying to find every little tidbit I can because I can't stop yeah. myself from caring about you. it way too much. I hear you. I um, I will say this. It it has had those moments, like I just like I described with Batman versus Superman where there's those little things where it's just like, holy crap, I want to see this movie. And those little things that I've seen, mostly right now, is who is holding Vader's mask? That's, like, it's it's silly, but it's one image, and it, like, just, it's, it, it just hits a nerve. I'm like, ooh, this is good. Is this, like, somebody else who's, like, trying to follow in the path of him? Is this Luke, like, kind of re this like what's going on here and like all of my star war radar just starts going off like crazy i'm like oh what could this possibly be and the first thing i thought of because i'm a nerd and i've read all the books um there was a when luke finally decides that he wants to uh start a jedi academy in the books uh, i can't remember what book it was um he ends up finding a kid who was a slave which interesting parallel here um to anakin skywalker he ends up freeing him because the kid is just incredibly strong with the Force. And his name is Kip Duron. And Kip Duron is so incredibly powerful, he basically just, like, kind of goes past, like, blows past Luke. He's just like, you know, you can't even teach him anything. Now, granted, he's, like, 
corrupted by the the spirit of this dead Sith Lord, but that's another thing. Um, and he, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you do know the story. Okay, good. <laughs> uh, but he ends up having a moment where he goes to Endor and finds Vader's body, and like, well, what's left of it, and like, kind of like just like almost like meditates on it. Where it's, and that's what I was thinking. I was like, ooh, there's no way that this is gonna be kept around, is it? They're, are they gonna do that? Or but they've destroyed all of the books and said that they're not canon. So it's. That's where my brain went. That's the first thing I thought. I was like, are we going to see something like this? And the big thing for me is, is this is going to open up a whole new world for Star Wars because you're establishing a, a set point. From here on out, the new movies begin. But you've got this 30-year gap between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. So what happened between there? And I think you could get stories from Han and Leia and Chewie and Luke and R2 and 3PO, all the guys that we love, and of course Lando. I mean, you know... When I'm not flying the Millennium Falcon, I'm drinking a solid Colt 45. I mean, we're going to get some of that. Hello, um, what have we here? What have we here? You truly belong with us among the clouds. Like, <laughs> um, I think, but like, we've seen that they can do really quality animation for Star Wars. I mean, I would be okay with an animated Star Wars, like, what happened between Jedi and Force Awakens. That'd be cool. I would love that. I mean, they did it with a series of of books and comics and stuff they're doing called Journey to Force Awakens that's coming out that's filling in that 30-year gap. And I think, yeah, an animated series for me would work just fine. Yeah, I'll have to pick up those comics then too. Of stories they're telling. Um, To your point about the Darth Vader helmet, what I think is going on there, the the main bad guy, Kylo Ren, uh, the guy that's played by Adam Driver, and he has the Revan-looking mask on and everything like that. Um, yep. Some of the rumors I'm reading is that, like, he... And, and there's, like, 80 of them out there. Maybe he's Luke's kid. Maybe he's Han and Leia's kid. Maybe he's Luke's, like, one of his first attempts to train a guy, and he did not know what in the world he was doing, and he fell to the dark side because Luke wasn't able to kind of teach him correctly. There's a lot of rumors out there, but the one I kind of like and I think is kind of cool is he's, like, a little bit of a nutbag, and he is like a like a like a Sith fanboy. Like he's obsessed with like the Sith myth- mythos and everything. And he yeah. goes through and uses the, the first order and everything. He's a leader of that. And he uses his power and influence to go and collect Sith artifacts. So like oh, the okay. lightsaber that he has a cross code one is like an ancient Sith lightsaber that he wields and like the, the mask that he wears is an, an old Sith mask and he goes in, in like one of his treasured things, he goes and finds Vader's mask and like basically anything that's Sith related, he goes back and you know and, and tries to, to find and oh, add to his collection because he's obsessed in- with the Sith. That's, a, that's an interesting take. Um, who knows if it's true, who knows if some fan just made it up it's basically just fan fiction they're passing off as well i have a friend who works on the set you know i mean there's ten thousand different theories out there and you just kind of got to wait and see what actually is but whether that's true or not i think that's a cool story oh yeah absolutely i couldn't yeah that i would yeah that would be great in fact i mean i think that'd be really interesting but that actually follows um to kind of nerd out here for a second, they did a um, as opposed a to what we've been doing for the last hour. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly right. But like to to delve even further, to even more deep sea dive with this nerddom that we're doing, <laughs> there was a comic book that they did where it was Vader versus Darth Maul, and what it was is, um, it was still like at the point in the um, continuum where Darth Vader was still alive, right? And what it was is these Sith wannabe fanboy types, like you were just mentioning. 
um, find some genetic material from Darth Maul and clone him because they want to get Vader out of power because Vader is not a true Sith. He was a Jedi first and then corrupted. So he's not really Sith. Like they're, they're like elitists, you know, they're kind of like sycophants and they end up having Vader fight Maul. Um, so it kind of reminded me of that a little bit too. But that, by the way, like if you can find that comic book, that was such a good story and I'm going to ruin it for you because I don't care because it's one of the coolest lines ever. But Vader's fighting Maul. Vader's pretty much taking it to him and slices his double uh, saber in half. So now Maul has two sabers. And Vader, in his new, like, I'm a robot, I have robot arms and legs, can't defend it as well as he used to be able to against two sabers. And he's getting his butt handed to him. And at one point, Maul's got him, like, trapped. And Vader's saber is all the way across the room. And the only way that he's going to be able to do it is, is, like, essentially he'd have to kill himself to kill Maul. And he ends up using the force and grabs the saber and pulls it and stabs himself through the chest to kill Maul. And Maul is like, I, there, you must have such hatred to be able to destroy me. And that's the only way to defeat me. Who could you possibly hate so much to defeat me? And right before he decapitates Maul, he says, myself. And I was like, oh my god, that is the best line ever. I was like, drop the mic. <laughs> exactly. Like, drop the saber. I'm out. And then kills the other two people too, of course. Damn. Uh, yeah, but like I am, I am so excited about new Star Wars. Like, and it's one of those things where I don't think that JJ is going to mess us up. But there's that little tiny bit of doubt that maybe he could screw this up somehow. I, so I don't think he could. Again, off again, girlfriend. You know, like I still love you, but you have hurt me in the past. So I got to be a little leery about you know the steps we're taking here because I, exactly. you know, I, I don't want to be hurt again. Exactly. I can't. I just can't have another. Um, you were the chosen one. You were supposed to bring balance to the falls, not destroy it. I can't have that. <laughs> I can't have that again. No, I hate you. No, can't have that. So <laughs> we get our, we hit a pretty good stride here, man. This was a good, this was a good list that we came up with. Um, and there's we so were much talking... more out there. That's the nice thing. I yeah, mean, there really is. This podcast. I mean, my God, Marvel's announced like, well. Here's as many movies as you're doing. You'll be age 75 by the time these are all out. But, boy, you're going to see a lot of characters. And DC is doing the same thing. You know, Dawn of Justice we talk about. That's the tip of the iceberg. There's, like, seven more movies coming out. I mean, they're all the way out to, like, 2020 or something with their release calendars. I mean, there's so much more we could talk about. But these are the ones we have, you know, some concrete trailers and, you know, actual information to talk about. So the nice thing is they're going to keep us well-supplied with uh, yeah. with nerd topics to get all ooey and gooey about, and these are going to be the movies that like this DC versus Marvel, who's going to put out the better movies thing? The competitive fire is going to make the movie industry for this ten times better because there it's not going to be a monopoly where Marvel's like, well, <laughs> you got nothing else. Like DC's like, oh yeah, we're doing Batman versus Superman, and Marvel's probably like very like publicly like, oh psh, <laughs> whatever. Do whatever you want with your lame characters, but they're probably shaking it a little bit. They were like, "Oh, DC's finally getting their game together. Like, maybe we're gonna have to step it up too." And this is only gonna make it for better movies for us as the fans. Like, I just, it's, it's gonna be phenomenal. Well said, my man. Now, I mean, I'm saying, I mean, there's, there's a ton of stuff out there. There's more stuff coming. This, this competitive fire that we're seeing from the industry is only gonna make things better because honestly, right now, when it comes to non-comic book related um, properties. It doesn't look good. They suck. 
Like, <laughs> I am not impressed by anything that I'm seeing. There are just tons of remakes and reboots and, like, hey, remember this crappy TV show from the 80s called Jim? We're going to make a movie about it. And it's not really going to be anything like the TV series you saw when you were a kid. So, <laughs> sucks to be you. We own the rights to it. Like, Hollywood's kind of thumbing their nose at us. And the comic book industry is like, well, you know what? While the rest of Hollywood's doing this, we're going to do awesome stuff. So I hope you guys are ready for the ride. I, I am. I am all in for this. Um, th- this is like... This is what I had hoped I would get when I was a kid. It was these kind of movies, and now we're getting them, and it's fantastic. I've been in line for this roller coaster since I was like six years old. So yeah, needless <laughs> to say, I'm going to be riding this one. I got an all day pass for this one. Yeah, I remember as a kid, um, fan casting. I was like in sixth grade. No, no, I was like in fourth grade. I was fan casting uh, who would play um, all the X Men characters in the movie, and we nailed. Xavier, we said Patrick Stewart was going to be Professor X, so we got that one that nailed. Um, and but I think we couldn't come up with a good enough actor to be Magneto. And I'm like ten years old, so I was like Dustin Hoffman. And like that's all <laughs> I can think of. I was like, hey, he's short, whatever, you can be Magneto. Like, that's Tim all I can Allen. think of. I've anybody seen him on things. <laughs> Tim Allen as Magneto. <laughs> I'm gonna have to ask Ben to like see if he can Photoshop that for me. <laughs> It's <laughs> Tim Allen, like, like talking to Wilson across the thing. Hey, you know, I was thinking about exterminating the entire human race, Wilson. What do you think about that? Well, you know, mutants are the superior race, neighbor. Howdy ho. <laughs> then Richard Karn is, is Toad, like, falling around and stuff as a sidekick. So. I think it actually works out pretty well. I mean, they both, you know, I was thinking about the 90s and he was hot right then. Exactly. There you go. Exactly. And his wife would be, like, Mystique. And, like, the kids would be, like, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch stuff. So. It would totally work out. Sports out so yeah. If only if only we had done this in the in the nineties, Steve, then we would have been ahead of our time. Would have missed opportunity. Exactly. But again, um, my name is Mike Lunsford. Uh, my cohorts uh, in crime here. This is Steve Monick. Uh, this was the GGR Pirate Radio Network. Thank you guys so much for listening. Stay tuned. We're going to have a lot more now that Steve and I's uh, schedules kind of sync up here. Like we're, we're coming back with a, with a vengeance. We're going to have more podcasts for you real real soon. Remember, guys, shop smart, shop as smart. See you later. <laughs> Be good, Pirate Radio Network Production. Woohoo!